Again, he's not smoking crystal meth. <laughs> you're no, you're just in a, a cloud of germs, is all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what no I mean. Clouds of smoke blowing through my children's. Pe- well, I don't know that. I haven't checked in on them. Maybe like, they started smoking in the last two minutes. <laughs> more, it's more like you know, pig pen clouds, but of germs. That's what I assume children are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 60 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. Today's date is Friday, December 27th, 2019. My name is Jeff Crisco, and today we will be giving out some awards. I'm here with my co-hosts, Evan Hoogler. Evan, how are you with your two sick boys? And the chores don't stop when you're sick. I still had to go all over town doing errands, lugging around two grumpy, sick kids and poisoning the air. And Mike Malvalverde is my other host. Mike, how was your trip to France last night? It was great. I have to tell you, you know, um, the, the only thing is, is that when you're faced with a big plate of spaghetti, the last thing you want to do is kiss a dog. But that, that's what happened in my dream last night. So it, it was a rude awakening. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you need rude awakenings to turn your life around, Mike. So that's good to good to hear that at least, you know, you got a rude awakening for you. So well, you said you france for the tramps i i totally misunderstood <laughs> so what we'll be doing today is because it's uh week 16 is over we're looking at week 17 no fantasy football we're going to give out some awards um we've got six categories here today each of us have our 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 guy that we'd like to give the award to um but first uh you know the the reason for the season is stomping the snot out of your league mates so uh mike how'd you do in your fantasy finals last week I actually won all, all four. No, oh, yeah. look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like probably the first time ever. But you know, the the problem was, is that none of the big money leagues that I'm in that I that I win. So, well, nor my home league. Um, those are the ones I really you know put 100 percent focus in. But I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take winning over losing. Evan, how about you? I won my big money league. I got a bunch of prizes and money. And I think it's, I know it's easily the best achievement of my fantasy career, 19 years. Uh, and here's why. When you go into an auction or a draft, you want to keep your notes secret, right? You don't want other people to know your sleepers and your values and your steals. And But my auction values list is pasted where tens of thousands of people on our site go and see it. So when I showed up at my auction, over half of the league had just printed out my auction values list. So I would not be getting any sleepers, steals, no values anywhere. And at first, uh, at first I was swerved. I didn't know what to do. But then I collected myself and I said, okay, you know what? You know what? Mike, Jeff, what's the biggest difficulty of an auction? Can now uh, not getting bored halfway through. <laughs> Maybe. But most people, it's not knowing how it's going to go. You know, it's unpredictable. Well, hey, you know what? My auction wasn't going to be unpredictable. I would not get any steals. I would not get any sleepers. I would not get a deal on anybody. So I realized that was actually an advantage. I could construct my roster knowing exactly what people would go for within a few bucks. So I just started getting the lowest guy in all of my tiers. I used barbecue strategy to do to get a deal on a wide receiver two because there's just so many wide receiver twos. There's no way that everyone's gonna bid on all of them. I got Allen Robinson for seven bucks, and uh, I just p- constructed a roster that was semi decent. It scored the most points in the league week one. So despite the fact that everyone was bidding exactly what I wanted for every guy uh, except for the wide receiver twos, I managed to win a 14 team league. So let that be a lesson to you people who find auctions intimidating or unfamiliar uh any information about how it will go is useful all right so yeah that's uh that's a good anecdote anecdote and congratulations to you for uh winning that with everybody uh essentially downloading your brain uh before the draft and uh i think maybe uh it did give you a little bit of an advantage like you say because you're like all right i know something this player is going to go around this amount you can kind of start uh penciling 
penciling some dudes in. So um, I only won one league this year because uh, Mike Evans dying kind of wiped out all my other teams. But it was the uh, Football Absurdity Experts League. Uh, big thank you to uh, Lamar Jackson for carrying me all year. And big double big thank you to Andy Dalton uh, for because uh, it's a super flex for uh, carrying me to the, uh, the championship. Uh, I made the playoffs in, I want to say, five of the seven leagues, four of the seven leagues I played in. Um, but uh, the, I got wiped, the, the Mike Evans injury wiped me out um, in the semifinal. So, oh, well, it is what it is. I, uh, I took my Lamar Jackson, my one Lamar Jackson share all the way. So I'm pretty happy with that. So, um, so yeah, now that uh, we got that out of the way, let's uh, start with our uh, awards. And so we've got six categories here. Like I said, um, we'll go through them one by one. And uh, we'll uh, um, d- discuss our reasons why we wanted to give out this award to this this particular player. So we'll go ahead. We'll start with the best waiver wire pickup. And I think we might all have the same player on this one. Uh, we are keeping our nominations in the dark before we release them to uh, to you folks. So you'll you'll know when we know. So um, we'll start with uh, Evan with this one. Evan, who's your best waiver wire pickup for uh, for 2019? I think Ryan Tannehill won people a lot of leagues. Oh, okay. He was less than 20% on the waiver wire available in week 10. And then he had eight of nine top 10 weeks, including a top five finish weeks 14, 15, and 16. And in week 16, the people who finished above him, three of them were less than 30% owned. So it's like he finished second. Uh, that's gold. Even the, they say wait at quarterback, and Ryan Tannehill is going to be the person they point to next year to, to illustrate just wait at quarterback. Yeah, so, he uh, yeah he he busted out halfway through the year when Marcus Mariota got benched. So that's not a that's not a bad one. I thought we were all going to have the same guy. Maybe Mike has the guy I was thinking of. Mike, who's your best waiver wire pickup for this year? Raheem Mostert. Whoa. Okay, we all have three different guys. All right, this is good. Let's hear about <laughs> let's hear about Radio Raheem. So, uh, as you guys know, I, I was I was the one that said Mostert would finish the, the 49ers as the number one back. Part of that was joking. Part of that was like, <laughs> why not? I'll go with it. Uh, most of it. Let's be clear. Most of that was joking. <laughs> <laughs> it was 80, 85% joking. Um, and, you know, so he started off with uh, owned in like 1% of the league. I mean, come on. Who, who drafted this guy, right? But then after week five, he jumped to 33%. Uh, due to a big blowout performance against the Cincinnati and an injury to Tevin Coleman. So that really put him in the driver's seat. By the end of the season, he's now owned by 83%. So he's went from 1% to 83% of Yahoo leagues and is considered the number one running back on the team um, right now. I mean, I, I don't see any, I don't see Coleman or Breida being the number one guy. Uh, and he's finished 22nd among running backs in a, RBBBC committee. So if he was just the primary back, the bell cow, he'd probably be in the top 10, maybe. Um, so easily to me was Raheem Mostert. Ah, that's a, that's, those are both good ones. Uh, for me, I mean, personally, there was only one answer and it was Devonte Parker, uh, Devonte Parker. I went back and I looked through Waleed's uh, waiver wire pickups in uh, week four after his first big game, he was 8% owned. Um, and then, so that was his 56 yard game, but starting in week four, uh, Devonte Parker had played on a pace for 1,245 yards, 12 touchdowns since week three, since his first big game, he's had one week outside the top 36 at wide receiver. He's had five top 15 weeks in that span on the season. He's wide receiver 11 and with Larry, um, Larry Fitzgerald, wrong fits with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is the wide receiver three on the season since since uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick took over uh, under center. So for me, the best waiver wire pickup of the year was Devontae Parker, especially especially because in weeks 15 and 16, he put a nice, pretty cap on your season with 72 four catches for 72 yards and two touchdowns in week 15 and five catches for 111 yards and a touchdown in week 16. So for me. It was Devonte Parker, and I thought we were going to be consensus across the board. So now I'm excited because this this uh, this isn't uh, going how I thought it would go. So now I'm excited. I'm really excited for these awards. So uh, I, want to, I want to point out for a New Year's theme, 
I called the best waiver wire category my cheap but great champagne award. Cheap but great champagne award. Um, great. Champagne. You know when you get a bottle of champagne from the bottom shelf and you're like, wow, this doesn't taste like salty bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> so Evan's great but cheap champagne was Ryan Tannehill. Mike's was Raheem Mostert. Mine was Devontae Parker. So now we move on to the... The guy who you spent a big chunky, chunk of your fab budget on or you burned your number one waiver priority or is a guy who just kept giving you promises that never returned. And uh, that would be the worst waiver wire pickup of the year. Uh, Evan, you got a New Year's Eve category for this one? I call this one the single at New Year's Eve Midnight Award because oh. everyone's looking to pick up someone, but nobody picked up you. Oh, oh, oh. This, the single at Midnight Award. Wow. All right. Uh, so, Mike, who is your single at Midnight Award recipient for the 2019 season? So there there was plenty of players out there that I could have picked. Uh but I, I wanted to do someone that had relevancy throughout most of the season. Um, and it just was a crash burn kind of guy that you picked up that most of you people dropped. But, you know, he, he did have some relevancy. He wasn't just like a one game wonder kind of guy. Um, and that player is Mason Rudolph. Ah, OK. So um, I, I think a lot of people, when Ben, ben Roethlisberger went down, those that had an interest or a stake in Mason Rudolph got pretty excited to see what he could do. What, what can Mason Rudolph do now that, you know, Roethlisberger is coming to an end of his career uh, and is Rudolph, who's this guy that's supposed to pick up the mantle. Now here's your chance. You know, is he the real deal? Well, as we found out, Rudolph really wasn't much of anything. I mean, his, his, Rudolph's nose did not glow that night. Um, and he, he, he was awful. I mean, he basically awful under center. He never threw for more than 250 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he, his arm strength just isn't NFL quality. He has limited running capabilities. So he's not going to get you any yards on the ground for the most part. He's not going to throw deep bombs uh and he's just a very limited but very accurate quarterback and that's just not enough to to get the job done so it didn't take long before he became waiver wire fodder and when he was when he was named the starter in week three he was at four percent ownership right now at this time he's at four percent ownership <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's a pretty good award for Mason Rudolph, a guy that you know we thought would take over for Big Ben, and and in two quarterback leagues, definitely thought he would be a good guy, but uh, did not help us out at all. And that four percent ownership was probably all people who picked him up and then just rage quit that week. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right, Evan, who is your single at midnight award winner for the 2019 season? Every single Kansas City wide receiver except Tyreek Hill. Oh, okay. From Sammy Watkins to Denard Robinson to Pre was Preston Williams on that team uh, to Nicole Hardman, they were all owned. Pringle. They were Pringle. That's right. They were all on the waiver wire at some time, and they all had a big game at some time, and they all failed to deliver. Sammy Watkins had forty points week one, never topped ten again. Denar uh, Demarcus Robinson had forty points week two. 11 points week three, never topped eight points again. McCole Hardman had a breakout game week two and actually did okay half the time and got three points or fewer half the time and finished outside of the top 36. Week after week, people were throwing fab at these guys and watching their fab crumble to dust. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a, a pretty good uh, thing because... We kept picking him up and picking him up, all these different wide receivers. Oh, no, it's not going to be McCole Hardman. It's going to be Byron Pringle now. It's not going to be, uh, you know, oh, all of a sudden Tyreek Hill's back and, and Sammy Watkins never did anything. So that's a good one. Mine is, I actually had three of them and I actually had trouble choosing them. I will go with the, um, the most on-brand one, I guess, which would be Darwin Thompson. No player has had more buzz and more ink spilled about him 
and more waiver wire pickups used on him than Darwin Thompson. And it was for a lot of the same reasons that um, uh, the KC wide receivers got buzz, and it was a hole left by Tyreek Hill's injury. And at this time, it was a hole left by Damian Williams not performing how they hoped, LaShawn McCoy not performing how they hoped, and people kept looking back at the preseason buzz for Darwin Thompson. Well, Darwin Thompson, um, let's just assume he doesn't do much in Week 17, but if he does, he ends the season with 33 attempts, uh, for 111 yards and nine receptions for 47 yards. And this is over the course of um, eight games. He did nothing. Everybody picked him up off the waiver wire to begin the season, maybe as a free agent thing, as a last priority thing, dropped him, picked him back up, dropped him. Then in week 13, he tantalizes us. He finally gets double-digit carries, turns in 11 carries for 44 yards and a score. Uh, we say, all right, maybe now it's time to believe in Darwin Thompson. Next week, four carries for seven yards. So you know what, Darwin Thompson? You can stay single at midnight. Nobody's kissing you. Everybody try- that's tried to kiss you has found out that you haven't brushed your teeth in six weeks, and uh, they immediately uh, back off of that. So Darwin Thompson, you can stay single at midnight. Um, my honorary uh, uh, mentions for this category are Chris Herndon, who suffered from the same problem as uh, as Darwin Thompson. Uh, we just kept picking him up and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing ever happened. And the opposite, Wayne Gallman, who uh, people were saying, you know, uh, you know, it was reasonable. With the Saquon Barkley injury, we were looking at maybe eight weeks of this guy thinking, oh, you know, maybe drop 25% to a third of your uh, fab budget. Went out, had one good game, got hurt. And then Saquon Barkley came back. So those were the two, uh, my, my two honorable mentions for the Single at Midnight Award. Do you guys have any runner-ups for your uh, Single at Midnights? No, because I chose four. <laughs> I, That's um, fair. My runner-ups, I, I picked, I got the Kansas City backfield as well, Daryl Williams. Mm-hmm. And then um, Kiki Cutie as well. Oh, Kiki Cutie. That's a good one. That's a guy that really tantalized us and teased us and nothing ever came of that especially because how well he played and the target volume he got last season and in a small opportunity so yeah so run those back again um mike chose mason rudolph and evan chose every kansas city wide receiver not named tyree kill and i chose their teammate darwin thompson for burning me and burning everybody so the next uh next category at the awards is the uh the best double digit round pick in the non-Lamar Jackson category, because if it was Lamar Jackson, guess what? Uh, if he was allowed, he would uh, have swept these awards. So, uh, Evan, what is the uh, the theme for this category? What's this one called? Uh, this is where you spend way little money on a everyday value that turns out to be worth it. So it's buying Christmas decorations the week after Christmas award. Ah, decorations the week after christmas award all right and who is your uh uh buying christmas decorations the week after christmas award winner it was like 5 a.m and i was on the bus to the airport to go to my big money league auction and beer where it was 8 8 a.m uh, uh our friend beer who does beer sheets uh is texting us in a group chat and he goes hey guys you know there's a defense that has the best matchups i've ever seen at least in the first half of the season how come no one's getting the new england patriots defense and so i went in and i hadn't updated my auction value so nobody knew i was big on them and i got them for two bucks and they finished 40 percent higher than any other defense they single-handedly won me like three weeks the new england patriots defense they went in the 11th round for most leagues that is not a bad call that was kind of the dst that uh um, carried a lot of people through the fantasy season. Um, did they end up? I know there were some struggles in there. How did they finish down the stretch for you? Oh, I'm sorry. They finished. They were a 13th, 14th round. Uh, week, week 15, they got 20 on Cincinnati. Then they had a very dismal finals performance against Buffalo, whom they torched. Who they torched earlier? Whom they torched, torched earlier? Uh, they had five points, four sacks, and one points allowed points uh week 16 but i forgive them you forgive them because they got you there yeah they got you there all right that's a good one that's one i was looking at players i didn't even think about dsts for this one so 
Good call. So, Mike, uh, who is your buying Christmas decorations the week after Christmas award winner for the 2019 season? And that will go to DJ Chark. Ah, great call. And uh, coming into the season, Fantasy Pros had him at 230 overall, which, you know, is a dart throw. In a 12-team league, that's 19th round. So he went undrafted by many, many leagues, and he just came on, like, first game of the season. I think he got, like, two touchdowns and was just playing wide receiver two, wide receiver one value uh, in and out every week. Uh, of course, like everybody, he, he had some down weeks. But you, you're you okay with those when you get a guy coming in at 230. So, and then also you have to look at the quarterbacks he, he had as well. I mean, when, when you're looking at Minshew and Foles getting you the ball and he's still doing well at that, that's not bad. So right now, um, with one game left in the season, he has 69 receptions for 974 yards, which is, eh, you know, that that puts him in the 29th for receptions, 24th for yards category. But his eight touchdowns is tied for eighth. And right now, he's about uh, mid-tier wide receiver two guy, which I don't know, we'll we'll see what happens come this draft. Uh, I think he'll probably drop a little bit down in the draft. Uh, just because it's one year, it is the Jaguars. They are a running team, but for what right now, DJ Chark, I think, was the best, the best double-digit draft pick uh, you could make. All right, so we've got the Patriots DST, we've got DJ Chark, and then we've got my guy, um, the guy that I chose on this one. He kind of jumped off the page at me, and it was Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was going um, at the end of the tenth round or the beginning of the eleventh round. So, uh, Mike, DJ Chark did not make it on my list because to narrow it down, I uh, kept it, uh, got, uh, I capped it at pick 180 because I figured everything after that was like, eh, maybe they didn't get drafted. So I do like DJ Chark, but I chose Mark Andrews, and here's why. So Mark Andrews um, is uh, the wide receiver three on the season in half-point PPR. Um, he has been killing it from the beginning. He was the tight end three. I, I know I said wide receiver three. I meant tight end three. He was the tight end three in week one, tight end one in week two. Had a bit of a down week in week three, but then came back tight end seven, 13, four. Then a couple of down weeks, then one, three. He has these smash games that he can just absolutely obliterate your opponents. And he ended the year. Um, he's he's He might not play in week 17 against the Steelers because they don't have much to play for. Um, and so on his, uh, 16 game pace was 909 yards and 11 touchdowns. And that's pretty good for a tight end that you're getting in the double digit rounds. He seemed like a, a guy that was primed to break out. It, it all depended on how Lamar Jackson did. And we all know how Lamar Jackson did. We had to exclude him from this award. And, uh, he really, uh, he really stepped up and, um, I found some interesting information about him last night. Um, he never played on more than 57% of the Raven snaps. Wow. Yeah. So he can get even better next year. He led all tight ends in air yards or market share of air yards. So if the Ravens have to not bench Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter, they actually have to play more. That might mean better things for more consistent things for Mark Andrews, who got a lot of value through touchdowns. So exciting thing he kept getting benched in the fourth quarter with lamar jackson and then i think he can take another step next year so mark andrews was my buying christmas decorations the week after christmas award winner for this year for a great double digit round value all right so yeah. do you guys buy christmas decorations the week after christmas we're, pre- we're pretty set on christmas decorations actually yeah, we just we're so busy. We just throw a string of lights outside and put up a tree, and we're like, "That's I don't know what more do you want, people?" You're like, "That's good enough. That's good yeah. enough." Yeah. So the biggest bust award for this year. So the guy that you thought was going to be the cornerstone of your team, and you when you finished your draft, you went, "All right, this guy is going to be great," and then he farted all over the all over all season long. So Evan, what is the title for the biggest bust? Uh, growing up. New Year's saw this 
get way overhyped. We'd see full-page advertisements in newspapers back when those existed. We'd see nonstop coverage on, on NBC uh, advertising it. And really, the Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year sucked. I mean, seriously, <laughs> who wants to see white people dancing? So for Biggest Bust, it's the Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Award. Wow. All right. All right, then. So... Um, so, Mike, we'll start with you in this one. Who is your Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve Award loser? Okay, so I have some some uh, runner-ups on this, uh, and but I did go. It was a, a big decisions between the player I chose and two other players um, to not give away any of your guys's. I'll just name the one. So, if anybody else has backups, maybe we can roll with that. Um, so, my biggest bust is Le'Veon Bell. Yes, sir. And he was just awful all season. He never rests for more than 87 yards. Most of the time, it was 72 and below, uh, 60, 54. I mean, he he loved those 60, 54-yard games. Uh, He only scored three times. Uh, Those touchdowns came in back-to-back weeks against, you know, you probably, if I give you five teams, you probably can guess it in seconds, Giants and Redskins. Mm-hmm. It, his reps, his receptions were good, uh, fourth among all running backs, um, and he did score once. But for someone that went in a lot of rounds, a lot of drafts the first round, and definitely was in the second round, oh, yuck. I feel so sorry for you for just having to see that name pop up week after week after week and just having to play him week after week after week just to get you nothing. And I, I just... Yeah, I don't think there's a bigger bust in Le'Veon Bell. And a lot of people are going to look at just the stats and say, well, he finished as the 19th running back. You know, that's pretty good. But he never won you a week. And oftentimes he would lose you a week with five, eight, eight, nine points. That's not what you want in early draft capital. No, that's not not what you want. Yeah, you want a solid floor guy. So I'm pivoting because Le'Veon Bell was my number one, but we'll go to Evan first. And Evan, I swear if you steal my backup, I'm going <laughs> to get you. Well, I feel like I have a, I have, I'm entitled to, to, my, to, my, to this guy because this is the Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Award, but it might as well be the I Done Told You So Award. When, this, when early uh, auction values came out, I was the lowest in the industry at this guy at $11. And then when the news got bad, I was still the lowest at $5. Nobody who followed my draft picks list drafted A.J. Green. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. I was thinking about A.J. Green. He People picked up any draft capital turned out to be a waste because he didn't play one game. And I, I watched him last year because I had Joe Mixon, and I would, he didn't look right. He would be in and out. He would take plays off. He, would, he was constantly getting injured. He just looked broken. You know, so when when I followed the offseason, I realized he'd uh, he'd been doing a lot of rehab. I'm like, oh, that's not what I want in a wide receiver one. In a wide receiver one or even two, I want somebody who's just going to go out there every single game because I already get enough stress. <laughs> what what's that? Is that me? All right, that was me. Thank you, CBS Fantasy Football Rankings, for putting <laughs> a pop up ad without me telling. Anyway, I uh. Let's see, AJ Green. Evan shook. I, now I just can't stop seeing a, pay, a, a AJ Green jersey and being like, why, "Why would you get me one of those, dude?" Uh, he uh, when, I, when I have a wide receiver, I, I have enough stress from injuries from my running backs, so it might just be a personal decision. It might affect my game, but I just can't take it in wide receivers. I don't have enough bandwidth to consider by injury week substitutions. So I never liked these aging wide receivers, and I especially didn't like A.J. Green, and I hope you all listened. Yeah, I, uh, A.J. Green was going to be one of my guys, but I gave him the, the sidestep treatment because he had the, the niceness of never actually playing. So he was a roster hole for you, but you never trotted him out out there mike what do you think of that aj green pick for evan oh yeah i mean especially depending on where you got him i think could just been a disastrous uh, disastrous pick because if you're i mean a lot of he was at value i think at round five people were people were saying okay well if he's in round five you've got to get him he, he's you know he's a wide receiver one talent so there goes your round five pick 
Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a a rough uh, rough go for AJ Green owners. You know who else had a rough go of it? The owners of my guy, who I can't believe I didn't think of him first before Le'Veon Bell. He was taking the pick before Le'Veon Bell, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. He played um, in in uh, ten games this year. He left three of them early. Three of them in the most critical times, those being weeks 11. Then he got hurt again, weeks 15 and week 16. He was also one of my four keepers, my four smash keepers in my keeper league that I was going to run the league with. Wasn't Alvin Kamara, who busted for me this season. Wasn't Carrion Johnson, who busted for me this season. It wasn't Marlon Mack, who got hurt but played okay. It was James freaking Connor. James Connor, he had one he had one blow up game this year, okay? But then he got hurt. And the reason that James Connor uh is my my uh um my Dick Clark's Rock and New Year's Eve award is because he kept coming he came back. He came back in week 11 and he you turned it on and said, "Hey, maybe it'll be good this year." 5 carries for 10 yards, one catch for 6 yards. And then, you know, you forget about it. New Year's Eve comes again around the next year. Go, "Oh, let me let me uh when uh James Conner comes back in week 15. Let me t- turn on that Dick Clark's uh, rocking New Year's Eve because, you know, uh, it's got to be good this year, right? Uh, eight carries for 42 yards and four catches for nine yards. He did score in that one. So, you know, maybe they had uh, uh, a nice musical guest in it, but overall not what you're looking for. And then you just sort of go, you know what? I'm in the consolation bracket. I'm sitting at home by myself on New Year's Eve doing nothing. Might as well turn on the... Uh, Nick, uh, the uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve, and uh, just resign myself to my fate. So you start James Conner in Week 16, six carries, 32 yards, and this someone, was someone in our Discord. I can't remember who, but someone had to face in the finals an owner who drafted Conner second overall. That's incredible. I mean, it's possible to overcome this stuff, but I hope they. I hope they beat them. Yeah, I would hope so too. But he was the running back five off the board, number six overall. Um, and uh, at least Le'Veon Bell gave you something. James Conner gave you long stretches of nothingness. And uh, he struggled to start the year, had a big game against Miami, had a pretty good game against the Chargers, and did nothing else for you all year long. And, and he kept tricking you by coming back. So you'd, you'd forget about how bad New Year's Rockin' Eve is. So you'd. You tune back in the next year, and that's what would happen with uh, with James Conner uh, for me this season. And, and I'm not at all bitter. Not at all. So uh, this year's New Year's Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve Award losers. Mike picked Le'Veon Bell. Evan picked A.J. Green. And I picked game James Conner. And this tells you a lot about how much we've been talking because those were the top three names that came into my head when, I, <laughs> when we decided on Biggest Bust. I knew I was going to be doing one of those three. So... <sighs> nice to get that out. Was that cathartic for you guys to get out your biggest busts? You know, I, I got one more for you. Yeah. Antonio Brown. Mm, that's a good one. He was kind of like AJ green in that he was exactly. nice enough to, to get, to get kicked off the team. But why don't you talk a little bit, bit about the uh, Antonio Brown saga? So Antonio Brown, um, well, maybe now the league lets him will be on his fifth team. I think in, in this year, uh, so he went from Pittsburgh to New York to Oakland to New England. Yeah, 15. Um, and now the Saints, minus the fact that the commissioner says, okay, penalty exempt. And he actually gets signed by the Saints. It would be his fifth team this year. And he has not played in one single regular season game or a preseason game for that matter. He played in a regular season game. He played in one. Oh, that's right. He did. He had that one game in New England. Yeah, he had one game for the Patriots, but other than that, it's just been uh, where in the NFL is is uh, AB eighty four. The uh, buzz was breaking. He hadn't been signed yet, but the buzz was breaking that he would be signed by the Patriots. And then later that day, he was signed by the Patriots during my big money league auction. And the guy who got him got him for twenty one dollars on a two hundred dollar budget, and we all thought that he was a steal when he signed. Oh yeah, that day. <laughs> sure. oh yeah. We didn't like, know the full extent of how crazy he was at that point. The treasurer was like, "Well, I guess I'll just give you the money now." <laughs> wow, your league has a treasurer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it... it's it's got twenty eight hundred dollars moving around. So, oh okay. Yeah. What's the separation of powers like? Is there a, a, an executive, a legislative, judicial there's, branch? There's a there's a commissioner. 
a treasurer, a three-person ethics committee. I think that's it. Oh, wow. That's a lot more organized than the leagues that I've been in. Yeah, we've been around for 14 years, and we're pretty serious about fantasy football. It's, it's the league I always have the biggest trouble in. You know what's funny? It's uh, the league that I the, the, that I talk about most, the one with the four keepers. That one's been around longer than your league, but instead of moving towards order, we've, we've moved just fully into chaos. Not, <laughs> none that of... league, like on a daily basis. Like, I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, poor Jeff and his league. Uh, oh, I just realized now we've been doing auction for 14 years, but we did draft five years before that. So we oh, are okay. 19 years old, yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say, yeah, my, my, uh, my league with the guys from high school has just moved towards uh, entropy and chaos. And it just every every day it's a new thing, and every season it's a new thing, and none of the rules make any sense. And uh, but sh- huge shout out, David Wax! Congratulations for winning baseball and football in the same year with the guys from high school. So shout out to uh, to my boy David Wax for uh, winning both of them this year in the uh, Sacramento Boys League. So uh, all right, so those were the Dick Clark's Rock and New Year's Eve Busts Awards. So uh, last couple ones are are a little bit different. Um, this one is the best under the radar stud. It's the guy that you never, you know, there wasn't a lot of hype. There wasn't a lot of buzz, but you look back and you go, ah, shoot, that guy was actually really good. And he just kind of quietly did his thing and was not really uh, a week in week out guy that you were talking about. So Evan, what is our, our title for this category for best under the radar stud? Yeah, this is the guy who you don't realize how good they were until you actually pull up the list and look closely. So I wanted I wanted something where you didn't know how good they were until you looked closely. And I realized there is a New Year's event that is awesome. It's got dragons stomping around. It's got people throwing stuff out of windows, giving money away, and, of course, fireworks. So the ah. Best Incubator Stud Award is going to be the Chinese New Year Award. Nice, uh, nice uh, switch around on that. Thank you. I, these were hard. <laughs> yeah. Chinese New Year Award. I like it. So let's see. Mike, you started last time. Evan, who is your Chinese New Year Award winner? I had this guy on my big money league team. So I watched him constantly. And he had what's pretty arguably the worst quarterback in the league, especially so now that Mariota is not starting anymore. So when I found out that Allen Robinson was the 10th best wide receiver on the year, I was yeah. floored. I was floored. When I look at the numbers, I'm like, yeah, you, uh, you put up over 10 points most of the time. And you, know, you only had one game, uh, two games under nine. Oh, three games. I don't know. Yeah, so that's why. Uh, yeah, he finished 10th overall in HPPR. And he especially had a great four-week stretch down at the end where he got uh, over 16 points uh, every week. And I, I'm like, how did I not notice that? Maybe it's just me, but I, he's on my big money league team. These are the people I notice and care about. So I was a little shocked that he was 10th. Yeah. Alan Robinson. That's, that's a good one, especially because you would think troops being so bad and, uh, he, uh, would, uh, fall apart a little bit from that. But, uh, I remember we talked to you off the cliff with him and saying, Hey, if he's getting half the targets from even a bad quarterback, <laughs> that's got to be what, you know, you, you wanted to drop Allen Robinson in like week three. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much. So Mike, how, what do you think about it? Is, was Allen Robinson a little under the radar for you this year too? Yeah. Oh, he definitely was. Uh, just because you have Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the ball and you're just like, okay, well, reality, what, where is he going and far as the draft is and can he meet those expectations? And I, I don't think, I think bottom of the barrel with Mitchell Trubisky is meeting expectations for Allen Robinson, but the dude is just amazing. I mean, he does it with Mitchell Trubisky. He does it with Allen Robinson. I mean, with uh, uh, Blake Bortles. So it's just like, can, can someone, can, can someone in power drop this guy a quarterback so we can just watch his, outstanding skill set blow up the league that would be wonderful yeah it's he's played with a a clown car of quarterbacks throughout his career and if this guy got a good quarterback like you know i don't know who's a really good quarterback uh uh jimmy garoppolo no discussion (laughs) if he got a really good quarterback to throw to him you know things might be uh different for him as a stud but i think he's gonna 
he's going to fall under the radar a little bit maybe next year as a guy that journeyman quarterbacks with big arms like ryan fitzpatrick and i would love chicago to sign one of them ryan fitzpatrick where it's you in your point in your career if you're mitchell trubisky you go from second overall pick to benched for ryan fitzpatrick I mean, we thought Josh Rosen had an ignominious first couple of years of his career, but to to uh, to hit the pine for Ryan Fitzpatrick of all people, um, I well, saw technically Josh Rosen is riding the pine for Ryan Fitzpatrick right well, now. That's what I'm saying, but but he was what the number nine overall pick for the number for that to happen, the number two overall pick the next year. That's a little rough. I actually saw um, a thing that Matt Harmon with Yahoo did where he said that they should move. Um, that Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston should both sign with the Bears and do a quarterback by committee. So you start with Jameis Winston and you let him just air it out all over the place and just th- throw like crazy. And then when he starts to let the other team back into it, that's when you switch to Marcus Mariota, who won't throw the ball more than six yards downfield. And only if the guy is wide open by five yards. So <laughs> a little quarterback by committee for the uh, for the Chicago Bears next year for Matt Nagy instead of uh, Ryan or um, Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, hey, that might work for Allen Robinson. I don't know. Uh, so, Mike, who is your Chinese New Year award winner for the 2019 season? Um, go ahead, you go ahead first. I, I want to hear yours first. My guy. So my yeah. guy is when I looked at him, I actually went, oh, wow, really? So I was like, okay, well, I guess I guess the uh, the player chose the award for me. And that player, it is a a tight end, and um, it's uh, Dallas Goddard. So, gun to your head, where do you think Dallas Goddard ranks among tight ends this year? Eleven. Eleven, Mike. What do you think? I would say eight. Eight. He's number nine on the season, so that can be a little um, misleading. Like my favorite stat right now is that Mike Kosicki is the number 12 tight end on the season. And that's just because he's had a monstrous like past four or five weeks. So what I did was I looked at um, has Dallas Goddard actually been good this year. So I took a look back at at, uh, at his season and um, he there was a lot of buzz out of the Eagles camp that he was going to um, run in a lot of two tight end sets with Zach Ertz. And he hurt his calf in the preseason. And then early in the season, he didn't do much. He was recovering from that calf injury. So. Everybody just kind of chalked it up to coach speak. You know, everybody's going to have the best season of their career if you ask their coach in July, you know, except for maybe Dante Pettis, who was getting uh, choked out verbally by Kyle Shanahan in the media. But um, Dallas Goddard. So I looked at it. I gave him um, two months from his injury to fully recover from the calf injury because those things can be nagging. And that's kind of actually when he started to be good. So starting in week six, these are his weekly finishes. I'm going to go through them and then I'll explain to you why I went through them week by week. So he was tight end 13, 3, 11, 21, so not a great week there, 9, 9, 12, 29, not a great week there, 10, and 4. So he was top 15. He was usable in all the weeks but two. So the reason I wanted to go through that game by game is here's his teammate, Zach Ertz, a guy we took as a top three tight end. Some people had him as top two. He was my number three behind my boy, George Kittle. Um, of course, Kelsey, number one, but in that same span, here is Zach Ertz's finishes 12, 21, 26, 162. So he had a great run there. 23, 1, 5, 21. Now he broke his ribs in that 21. So it feels bad to hold that against him, but he had four unusable weeks in that time frame, Whereas Dallas Goddard only had two and with tight end, it, it's touchdown or bust is really what it comes down to. So Goddard did not get tight uh, touchdowns in all those games. He only had six on the year or five on the year. I'm sorry. So he was having consistent p- production and this is in half PPR. So he consistently produced at or near the level of Zach Ertz. He did not have the blow up games, but he was quietly played well pretty much all year long in the, you know, after week six and he's tied in nine on the season for it. So that's my kind of under the radar stud, a guy that if you picked up Dallas Goddard in week, in week uh, six, you did not have to pick anybody else up. He was a guy that was starting for you week in, week out. And and to end the year right now as tight end nine is, is a huge deal. And hopefully he has a bad game and Mike Gesicki has a great game because I really need Gesicki to finish his tight end 10. So my dumb hot take is where I ranked him at tight end 10 to begin the season comes true. But for now, we're going to go with Dallas Goddard as my under the under the radar stud. I like it. 
All right, Mike, you got one? I always like these guys because they always have great value the next season. Uh-huh. I'm Although sometimes at... they're not good. Like James White was the number two wide receiver in PPR, or number two running back in PPR last year. So yeah. He was still top 25 this year. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, it... I guess you didn't pay that much for him. And to be honest with you, Evan, the reason I know that is because I almost put James White down, and then I remembered what he did last year, and I was like, oh, no, that, that won't work. That was a disappointment. All right, so, uh, so Mike, let's hear, let's hear your guy. Okay, so if I asked you guys, name the top four running backs, who would you guys say? Uh, Cook. Cook, Henry, McCaffrey. Oh, McCaffrey. And uh, Eckler. Yeah. No, not Eckler. He probably didn't do very well. Yeah. What about Elliott? Is... No. Henry. Is he? Oh, Derek Henry? Anyways, okay. To answer your question, Evan, you, you hit it right on the head. Austin Eckler. That's only uh, because I researched this category. I'm sorry I spoiled it for you. No, I'm that's sorry. okay. As soon as it okay. came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, God, it's Eckler, Evan. Why did you just do that? <laughs> and it is Eckler. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people at first, when we, when we saw Eckler come in because Melvin Gordon was, was you know, on strike for, what was it, four weeks or whatever, um, Eckler came in and did a great job. Well, the four weeks were up. He became backseat kind of guy. Melvin Gordon took over. Melvin Gordon did Melvin Gordon things um, up until re- recently, anyways. But the thing is, is that Austin Eckler has remained a top four running back through from one week, week one through week fifteen. At this point, uh, a lot of it is to do with what you guys were talking about—the the James White factor, the guy that catches so many passes. Um, so, and then he scores as well, uh, which James White, uh, not so much. So on the season, he has 11 touchdowns and 511 yards rushing. The, the interesting thing that, that I had to double check was if he catches, I think, what is it, uh, five, five more catches, five more receptions? Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, not receptions. Um, oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Let me check this back. Uh, 50 yards. If he gets 50 yards this week, he will be the third back since 1985 to record a thousand yard receiving um, season. So there's only two other running backs that have done that uh, since 1985. Jeff, can you name the 1985 running back that started it all? I can name the 2019 running back. <laughs> yeah, are we counting the two. Th- I cannot name the the running back that happened before uh, I was born. Sorry, that's okay. Um, he's a San Francisco 49er Was probably oh Roger Craig. There you go. Yeah, I, I knew you Craig. had it in you. I yeah, no, no, no. As soon as you said I, 49ers, I was like, of course, Roger Craig. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. That out because I'm like, why did he ask Jeff who wasn't born then and not me <laughs> who was seven years old watching football then? I should have figured it out. Like, of course, of course, Roger Craig. I didn't even ah, brain fart. That's brain okay. Fart. It's it's hard to think back to 1985 and go, well, who would do that? Um, and Especially so, Jeff think back to 1985. Um, and then of course. The second guy played for the Rams. Mr. Mr. Falk. Mr. Falk. So Austin Eckler could be in the company of Roger Craig and, and uh, Marshall Falk if he gets 50 more yards this week, which I think the Chargers are probably going to try to get that for him considering they're not playing for anything, and uh, that would be pretty cool to have on their mantle. Speaking of not yeah. playing for anything, uh, is this what you were going for? Going for? Jeff? Uh, yes, there's another running back yeah. might join him. You can go for that. Yeah, uh, speaking of not playing for anything, Carolina needs to just get the ball to Christian McCaffrey for 67 receiving yards, and he'll have a 1,000-1,000 season. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're not playing for anything but to beat their rival. And so that that's there might be two. We might we might double the number of 1,000-yard backs since 1985 next week. That would be wild. That would yeah. be crazy. That'd be wild. Yeah. I thought for some reason, I thought McCaffrey was already there. Um, you know, there w- I should have known there would have been a lot more fanfare for it. So, yeah, 67 more yards. Oh, it was the 100 reception threshold. That's what I saw that he crossed. OK, I'm looking at his stats now. Um, so, yeah, that's a uh, that's a good under the radar. So, Mike, what do you think? 2020 is Austin Eckler the lead back in uh, L.A. in their new new stadium? 
their new stadium in uh, Mexico. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But, I mean, you, you definitely have to – he's definitely a handcuff, probably the top handcuff in uh, in this year or next year, will be next year. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, for the uh, the Chinese New Year Award winners are under the radar studs. Evan chose Allen Robinson. I chose Dallas Goddard. And Mike chose Austin Eckler. So for our last award, we have what we called our player of the year. And we decided the player of the year is the player that meant the most to you, whatever that means to you. So whatever criteria you wanted to use, that was your player of the year. So, um, Evan, what did you kind of call this uh, this mystery box category? Uh, I called it the box of leftover fireworks from Fourth of July because I'm like, oh, I totally forgot to buy fireworks. Oh, wait, I still have some fireworks in the shed. Oh, well, thank you for not burning my house down due to my complete negligence of explosives. <laughs> All right. So the box of leftover fireworks from the 4th of July. So, Mike, who was your uh, your uh, player of the year for for what I took this as was a guy that you were you were big on, maybe bigger than a lot of people and uh, kind of rewarded your faith in him. That's what I took it as. But what did you what did you decide for your player of the year? So I'm I'm a, I'm a big proponent. uh I mean, ever since I was a kid, of sort of the Rocky story, um, the underdog that always figures out how to fight through adversity and gets to the top. And in the last two years, this person has, I think, among most, has demonstrated that. And that's Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb. All right. When when he's when he came into the draft, everybody's like, he can't catch. He, he's probably not going to do well in that Cleveland offense. He's a bad pick. He's you know as far as uh, not only maybe for the team but for fantasy, um, you know for sure that there's he should be like in the eighth or ninth pick, not like the third. So he he was frowned upon, and you know of course Browns have a horrible offense and he can't catch. Well. That season, his rookie year in 2018, Chubb rushed for 996 yards, six touchdowns on 192 carries. Also, he changed that whole perspective of catching to catching 20 passes for 149 and two scores. So as the season went on, they they avoided throwing the ball, mostly because they had Duke Johnson there. But he kind of made Duke Johnson expendable. And Mm -hmm. that's why Duke Johnson is on wherever I forget where he landed, but he's not Houston. Houston. Houston, Yeah. So then this season came along and they had Kareem Hunt. Now Kareem Hunt obviously wasn't going to start the season. He was going to come in week 10 and many people (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) said that forget about, forget about Nick Chubb, you know, not not forget about it, but just put him on the back burner because Cream went Cream's not going to get it's going to be his world, and you weren't alone with that, Jeff. I mean, a lot of people were were speculating that because can I you, can I defend myself because I said he was going to be like running back like what like fourteen or something. <laughs> I, I didn't hate him. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. You you didn't hate him. You you just didn't like the fact Cream Hunt, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. Uh, but you, you had the got, faith. Mike yeah, had the faith. I, I had the faith, but when you do have Cream Hunt, yeah, that's a valid reason. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Cream uh, Hunt was supposed to come in and eliminate uh, Nick Chubb um, or just put him on the back burner. But what we saw, that didn't happen. Um, he, uh, you know, on a team that just was in the dumps all year. I, I mean, we, we saw with, with Landry and, and Beckham and all that and just horrible coaching and just a disarray mess. The one consistent, the one constant in that whole team this year on offense was Nick Chubb. And he, right now he has 285 carries, 1,453 yards, six touchdowns, and he's caught 35 passes. I mean, he would have caught more if, if of course, Kareem Hunt was on the team. Mm-hmm. But you can see the progression. You could see Chubb not being that label that he was coming into the Cleveland Browns because he is someone that people look like, okay, you're not really going to do much, but he still fights through it all and still comes out on top. Yeah. And all of that, you, you didn't even mention the biggest thing he's in the driver's seat. There's all of this 
hullabaloo about Christian McCaffrey. He's in the driver's seat to lead the league in rushing yards. He's got a 92 yard lead on Christian McCaffrey. Oh, you know, I did not know that. Yeah, going into week 17. So he's. He's in the driver's – it's not like it's neck and neck. He's in the driver's seat. Oh, yeah, for sure. To lead the league in rushing. And he has an outside chance if he has a big game, um, if he gets, what's the, 147 yards, I believe, if my math is correct. 53 plus 147. Yeah, he's got um, – if he has a big game, 147 yards or more, he'll average over 100 rushing yards for the season. So That means that Christian McCaffrey is second place in rushing yards and second place in receptions. Gosh, no, he's oh my yeah. gosh, you're right. Yeah, and he's still 100 points more than everybody else. Hey guys, I'm gonna ask you a question here. I just wanna, I just wanna double check something. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, he's good, right? I, I definite hey. start. If you need a flex, <laughs> he's he's good, right, Mike? He he might be. I I, I yeah, I, I would go with yes. On Jury's that. still out. Can't run up the middle, right? Can't, can't was, run up the middle, easily tackled. Yeah, and then he went out and became the, he bulked up, became the Incredible Hulk and said, who can't easily tackle me now? Huh? Huh? All right. So, Evan, who is your player of the year? Well, runner-up goes to Carlos Hyde, who I was chomping at the bit. Pounding was, the table. So, yeah, but Carlos Hyde was the 51st drafted running back, so you got him for peanuts. And he finished running back 23, serviceable RB2, but he did poorly in the last half of the season. He was uh, bottom bottom 10 in terms of running back's average points per game of starters. So uh, I didn't go with him. I actually benched him in my final for DeAndre Washington. I went with... Wow, Homer. Devontae. Hey, it worked out. I, and people were mad at me after the first half because I told everyone to start Dante Washington. After the first <laughs> half, then he went out in the second half and got ten points on one drive. Uh, I, my player of the year is Devonte Parker, and here's why it was important to me. I barely play the waiver wire. My team at the end of the year looks remarkably like my team at the beginning of the year. I don't have time for trades. I don't have time to play the waiver wire, but to look at. Wally and Jeff's picks and then see who's available in my league. Uh, so I rarely have uh, a different team. For, for for instance, if I had left Carlos Hyde in, seven of my nine championship starters would have been guys I drafted. Wow. Uh, I just don't, you know, and just look at this year. I had a book out. My wife has the world's dumbest stalker. Football absurdity blew up because Jeff's an editorial genius. Uh, I, I have a, I have two hyperactive kids. I'm number two guy on the PTA. I just, I got stuff to do. So the fact that I picked up a guy, Devonte Parker, who whooped butt down the stretch meant a lot to me. Uh, it was week 12. He had just come off a 17-point game and a 12-point game. On this podcast, I said, this guy feels like he's going to win people their playoffs. And he responded with a 31-point game the week 13, which got me a bye. He had 3.8 points the next week because he left with a concussion. I forgive him because it's an injury, and he got me a bye, so it didn't even matter. And then he had 21 points and 19 points in HPPR. And that's great. For somebody who I just plugged and played in my flex and prayed, he really brought it home for me. So he's my player of the year, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. <laughs> he right. was a box of leftover fireworks. There was no sizzle. Left in him. Nobody thought there was any explosiveness left in him. And then he went off. And then he popped all over the place for you. So my guy, I don't know if my guy is uh, because I actually feel this or because I traded DJ Chark for him in week three. Because <laughs> I didn't think DJ Chark was doing anything. And I really wanted to... Uh, to reward him. He's the quarterback six on the year. He's a guy that was drafted around quarterback 20. And I told anybody who would listen that that didn't make a lot of sense, that a lot of people were projecting regression for him and there's no way he can keep this up. And there's no way that he can score um, as a quarterback, as many rushing yards as, or as many rushing touchdowns as he did last year. Cause he had 631 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. And that's Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I told anybody who would listen that Josh Allen is going to be a top 10 quarterback this year and has an outside chance of being a top five because of the legs. And guess what? Guess what? Everybody was right. Josh Allen did not get eight touchdowns this year on the ground. Do you know why he didn't get eight touchdowns this year on the ground? Singletary. Because he got nine touchdowns this year <laughs> on the ground. 
he exceeded what he did last year on the ground. Now, granted, he's playing in more games, so you would expect that to go for, to get bigger. But the people saying, hey, he can't rush for eight touchdowns. Why not? Why not? He rushed for nine this year. And he has the you know, he has that that quarterback cheat code that, you know, Lamar Jackson has so well, you know, rushing for over a thousand yards. But five hundred and ten yards in 15 games is nothing to sneeze at for a quarterback. He's got that cheat code and he did something this season. He drastically cleaned up the interceptions. Last year, he played in 12 games. He had 12 picks. This year, he played in 15 games so far. He only has nine picks. So he's actually cleaned that up a lot. He, he's, um, I, I did this regression thing. I said, hey, if Josh Allen looks more like a quarterback and less like a running back next year, you know, fewer rushing touchdowns, fewer rushing yards, uh, you know, slightly more passing yards, just league average passing yards. I pegged him as the quarterback eight, just just doing that simple thing going. All right. You want to take that stretch where he was great. Let's make him look more like a quarterback and less like a uh, a guy who runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. And he did even better than that. As we're talking right now, he's quarterback six on the year. And and here's the great part. So I kept talking about I said, Josh Allen needs to pass a test. He needs to have a good game against a good defense. And he had three bad defenses or good defenses in a row to play against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England. Well, Baltimore had his number. Pittsburgh had his number. He had New England's number. He was the number 10 quarterback last week. So if you ended up with Josh Allen, you had to start him in your finals. You actually had a starting quarterback. And he is the guy that I was, people just, said, well, he can't do that again. And we'll talk about that a little bit next next week about the lessons that we learned. It's it's when people say, well, he can't do that again. You can't take that as a reason why. You have to say, well, why do you think he can't do that again? What makes you say that? And asking that about Josh. And, and okay, you say, okay, so what are the ramifications that if he doesn't do that again? What do his numbers look like? So that's why I did the thing. I said, all right, fine. Let's make him look more like a quarterback. Let's throw it more times per game. Let's run it fewer times per game. Let's give him a less efficient running average. And he was still a top 10 quarterback. So I was telling anybody who would listen. Josh Allen's going to be a top 10 quarterback this year. Nobody wanted to listen. Well, Josh Allen got me really far because he was really cheap. So I had him in a lot of leagues. So because I was kind of pounding the table for this guy for so long and he ended up rewarding me, he's going to be a, a top half quarterback starter in 12, 12, uh, 12 team leagues. Josh Allen, that's my guy. That's my guy for 2019, which is funny because I'm if this is this is it, guys. I'm officially retiring my favorite Josh Allen joke or my favorite football joke. Okay. My favorite football joke is, you know, when Josh Allen came out of college, he could throw the football over a mountain, right? That was that was the tape, that was the the film on him. This guy can throw the ball over a mountain. And what I always said was, yeah. But he needs an, a, a target as big as the other side of the mountain. He's still got some accuracy issues, but I, I'm all in on Josh Allen. I'm pushing my chips into the middle. I think that he is going to end up somewhere in quarterback 12, 13 next year in draft season. I think he's going to end up somewhere in there. And I'm taking him anywhere and everywhere that I can get Josh Allen. Because here's, here's the pattern of guys that have been league winners at quarterback the last couple of years. Uh, you had Pat Mahomes, who who is a I'm not saying that Josh Allen is either of these quarterbacks, but you have Pat Mahomes, who was a rushing quarterback who could uh, throw the ball deep and had to clean up an accuracy issue. OK, you got Lamar Jackson running quarterback who last year had trouble throwing the ball deep, but he cleaned that up, became a deep ball thrower. OK, these guys won these last two years. Josh Allen if he can clean up his deep ball throw accuracy a little bit, and even if he doesn't, he could be a guy next year that that makes a lot of noise because of that that the uh, Josh Rebar, Lord Reeves on Twitter, who said it, the Konami code, the cheat code for quarterbacks, the rushing quarterbacks who can throw the ball deep, they'll get you points in bunches. The only question to that, my only issue is maybe the defense might not allow him to do that. Well. Lamar Jackson played with one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. So I'm not too worried about that. So that's my guy for this year. Josh Allen. He's my guy. My only quibble with Josh Allen was that I thought he was going to do better than Lamar Jackson. So I took him over Lamar Jackson every, in a lot of places, but I'm not going to fault Josh for that. That was my, 
my own decision. <laughs> That's a hot take. I think when consensus fantasy football ranks come out after the NFL draft, Josh Allen will be the sixth ranked quarterback. You think so? Yeah. It's, well, well, it's a wasteland out there. I think Kyler Murray is going to be fifth, and the top four are going to be those, those solid guys. But then who? Prescott, Winston, Wentz, Rodgers, Ryan, Cousins. These people all suck. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. People don't want to believe in, in uh, Josh Allen, though, for whatever reason. So we'll see. We'll see where that all shakes up. That'll be something interesting to see. Maybe maybe everybody's in on Josh Allen now after I – and I have to pivot to – I don't know. Who am I pivoting to? Uh Jacoby Brissett, uh, Gardner Minshew. I don't know. Everybody's terrible. All the quarterbacks are bad. Mitchell Trubisky. There we go. There's my new guy for next year. Mitchell Trubisky. He's just got to. He's just got to clean up one thing. He's just got to learn how to play quarterback, and then he'll be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that'll do it. Those are our awards for this week. I did want to talk a little bit of housekeeping really quick before we leave. Um, so we are going into the off season. I mentioned this on the, uh, the bonus episode yesterday. So if you're a subscriber, thanks for listening to both. You can tune off now. We're just going to talk about the changes for the off season. So we're going to go to a model where we are still releasing weekly podcasts, but um, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash football absurdity, um, you won't get all of them. We're going to be releasing every other week during the off season um, on the regular feed and every other week in the off season in the bonus feed. So the only re- way to get all of them is uh, to subscribe to us on Patreon. If you like what we do right now at seven bucks a month, I'm working to figure out how to drop that down at three bucks a month. Um, we're going to uh, drop it down during the regular or the off season because we're getting you less content. Didn't seem super fair to be uh, giving you, um, you know, charging you full bore for it. So um, we're still going to be in your ears. It's going to be every other week during the off season. If you got Patreon, it's going to be weekly. Um, not sure what day yet. We don't have to stick to the same schedule. Uh, Evan, Mike, and I will figure that out. And it may be various days throughout the week, but we'll get you at least one podcast a week um, during the off season. And then when things ramp up, we'll ramp up as well. Okay. I don't know why I ended that. Like I was asking somebody to respond. So do you guys have anything to add before we head out of here? Successful 2019 season. Yeah. Congrats to everybody who won their leagues. Yeah. Congrats to everybody. If you're this far and you're not in the discord, what are you doing? Tiny.cc slash absurdity. Come join the discussion. If Evan and I sounded distracted during part of the episode, it's because uh, fake plastic tea uh, discord superstar was posting some stuff about uh, injury guys that are out for week 17 and don't play in week 17. Because Ertz, McLaurin, DJ Moore, Will Fuller, James Conner, Spencer Ware, Jordan Wilkins, Brett Ellison are all out. Jamal Williams, doubtful. Josh Jacobs, doubtful. Kyler, Fournette, Odell Beckham, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and Alexander Madison, all questionable. And if you didn't win your league, you better consume more football absurdity next year. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Nothing, because you're still listening. All right. So I'm going to end this because we really nailed this dismount on the season. So... Uh, for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening and have a good one. <laughs>